Hello and welcome to the Learning Noodle podcast, where we chat and explore the world of learning and development, customer experience and leadership. We'll also be bringing a few guests along the way to have some great conversations. Join us and let's get started. Welcome to The Learning Noodle. I'm your host, Ben, and today we're going to be talking about the idea that the job role you're in today is not going to be the job role you're in in the next 15 years. Technology, innovation, the way we interact with society is all going to change. So too is probably your role. So today we're going to talk about the implication of that for organisations, learning and development teams and individuals. And I'm joined by a fantastic guest, Jasper, a global leader in the world of upskilling, and reskilling. So join he and I at the beginning of December 2021, talking about all things upskilling, reskilling, and having a good old noodle on the idea. Welcome, and today we are talking about why the future of work has to include learning, how reskilling is fast becoming that hot topic in learning and development. And I am delighted today to be joined by Jasper, a global leader in the world of upskilling and reskilling. Jasper, did you want to welcome yourself to the group and introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about yourself. Sure. Thank you. Thanks, Ben, for having me. Um, really happy to be here to share more about this uh, really interesting topic. My name is Jasper Schoenenberg. Uh, I'm Dutch. Um, started to work for the company um, IKEA about seven years ago. Um, worked a while in the, the franchisor organization and since April this year working for the Inca Group, which is one of the largest franchisees of the IKEA brand, uh, working on the topic of reskilling and upskilling and really focused on that. So I'm really, uh, really happy to be here and, and share more about this, uh, this interesting, uh, interesting topic. Brilliant. Jasper, thank you very much and welcome. As we, we talk about kind of upskilling and, and reskilling. I'm hearing these terms a lot on LinkedIn, on Harvard Business Review. Uh, McKinsey & Co. recently did a report on this as well. Uh, and I think there's a, a little bit of confusion, especially from L&D people. Maybe it's good to clear it up right at the top of this is we talk about reskilling and upskilling in, in one quick sentence without a pause for breath. But Joe, what is the, the difference between upskilling and reskilling? Yeah, good question, Ben. And this, this is, I, I, I totally agree. You see it everywhere and it's always mentioned together. But in my opinion, you know, there's a clear difference between the two. Um, with upskilling, we're talking about uh, providing people with additional support to develop skills that are relevant and more important for the role that they are operating or doing today. And uh, so it's more like developing yourself in, um, in height. When you look at the, reskilling part, it is very much about developing skills that are relevant for you in a totally new role. So you develop yourself in a wider space. Um, and that brings along a lot of different challenges uh, that we as, an, as, a, as a people focusing in, in learning and development or reskilling and upskilling need to need to answer to. Um, and I think we will discuss these challenges uh, during those, uh, today's Yeah, call well. I think they're going to come up because it is really interesting you know, how the world's changed a little bit, I think, of you know, my grandparents, they had a vocation. They they studied and that's what they they did their whole life. And, and whilst there was a lot of technical innovation and 
uh, a second or arguably third industrial revolution, their skills sort of remained relevant, their roles remained relevant, and they stayed in this job until till retirement. Uh, but actually now the world moves at such an accelerated pace that actually our job roles change and uh, we might wear many hats in our lives and if we stay with one company, have to change. So the idea of reskilling is really interesting, whereas kind of L&D, you know, the focus that we've always had has traditionally kind of been on that upskill. Uh, so how do we support, especially in the modern world, that idea that people need to change roles, how we don't want to lose talent, you know, in the knowledge economy, we don't want to transfer our our great people to other organizations, we want to keep them. And for an internal L&D team in a business, reskilling probably is presenting is an evolving trend and one that I think more and more we're getting into. Uh, so yeah, no, really interesting topic we can break down today. Uh, I guess my first discussion point with yourself is, you know, you, you kind of mentioned that it's an area that you're, you're growing in, taking a lead in. So you're really a good person to answer this, but why is reskilling specifically then so important for you? Fantastic question. Yeah. So it, 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 of course we hear it everywhere, right? Like the world around us is changing uh, and we are part of that world. So we need to change with it. Um, um, as, as you said, you know, upskilling is, is, is something that we are doing for, for many years already. Um, and there's like some fundamental things in, in learning and development in making uh, information stick, make, making sure that information and, and, and knowledge will be applied that are still relevant in, in both upskilling as well as reskilling. But what the biggest difference is, is the process to make it happen. Like with upskilling, you already have your current role and you can upskill yourself in that specific role with, 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 with new knowledge and, and applying that in your current uh, position. Mm. But the challenge with reskilling is, is um, how are you going to apply like the new things that you learn if you don't have a new role yet? You know, you, you, you're developing towards a new role. So the application and um, uh, opportunity that, that you need to get to, to apply the new skills in a new reality needs to be organized together. Like it's a shared responsibility between the co-worker and the organization. So somehow there needs to be like a gap analysis uh, between the, the like to, to, to create an overview of what are the co-workers in my organization, what are their ambitions, where do they, do they want to go, and what are the, the, the skills that we need for the future as an organization to be successful. And that gap needs to be transparent and it needs to be facilitated so that the people with the energy and the passion get the opportunity to reskill, but also know where they can reskill into so that it helps the organization further. And that gap from not knowing what my new role will be to getting that new role and applying uh, new skills and actively contributing to the new organization is, is something completely different than the, the learning and development uh, tactics and, and strategies that we've seen that are more relevant to upskilling, where you already are working in your role, which makes it much easier to apply the things that you learn. In many ways, kind of what you're talking about there is, I mean, L&D has always strived to uh, drive performance. Uh, in terms uh, of a, a fixed KPI, a business issue or an aspiration. I think what we're talking about here is a lot more forward thinking. So you're not solving the business challenges that you're having today. That's upskilling. Reskilling very much is trying to solve potentially the business challenges that you're expecting to have 5, 10, 15 years down the line. So you mentioned a gap analysis. In your opinion and experience, how does it an organization start to go about that if you're trying to look into a crystal ball and predict 15 years in the future? 
It's a really good, uh, really good point, and it's uh, it's all about looking ahead, and it's 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 about predicting as well. It's about uh, looking into trends. Uh, it's about like setting the the, the standards as well. Um, and 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 what what we do is we look at data. Uh, so there are a lot of like global organizations and and, and global um, uh, sets of data basically that can be used to to see what are the the skills that people are developing uh, for for themselves today. What are the skills that are basically Required and asked for by organizations, um, but also just base it on like the, the the goals that you have as an organization. For us, for example, it's very much based on the customer expectations. I mean, customers shop worldwide nowadays. It's mm. no longer that you go to the store on the corner uh, or, or like close by it that you visit and, and you get an experience and you just have to accept that that is the experience that you get. Mm. Customers can compare the experiences and, and the demands become higher and higher, which is logical, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also boosts the, 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 the expectations that they have on, on us as an organization. And that those expectations, they impact the business, they require transformation, and those transformations require new skills for our co-workers to respond to those, uh, to those customer needs. And that, that is an, uh, a good way for us to, to identify where we want to be and what, what, uh, what mm-hmm. that requires from our, from our co-workers. So the data today then, that, that we're collecting and they, they, those customer trends help from what you said there kind of inform a little bit what the roles are going to be like in the future. So if I'm an organization sitting listening to this uh, or an L&D manager or a CX operations manager and I'm thinking, okay, well, if I want to help my people, I've got great people, but I want to reskill them into the jobs of the future. What data and trends are you kind of focusing on now and and maybe broadly outside of your areas, or what, what kind of roles of the future do you think that we should be considering when we're thinking about where people are going to reskill to? Mm-hmm. I think there are two very clear uh, differences or, or, or roles that we will see more of, uh, and that's the data-related mm-hmm. roles like data scientists, data analysts, uh, overall like data literacy uh, that needs a boost. I had a conversation with my team uh, this week where we spoke about data and that it often, you know, we talk about data as being important, um, but that's often where, where it stops. Uh, especially in, like in learning and development, we all know, you know, we, we say we want to measure, we do our best, but still it's very tough to, at the end of the project, make sure that you really take the time uh, to measure the return on investment on it. Uh, and to use the data as an outcome to also predict and to, to, to decide and prioritize what projects will come up next. So the whole data field is, uh, is, is a very important one. And, uh, we see a lot of like uh, external vendors and suppliers as well operating in that field, creating uh, fantastic reskilling uh, uh, opportunities and uh, and programs for, for organization to, to contribute to. Um, then the second part is for me is the the, the human skills. So listening to 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 the, to the needs of coworkers and customers, um, em- em- empathizing with them, um, because those those customer demands and customer expectations are constantly changing. So that means that also we need to find ways to listen to them in, in, in a very, very good way. Um, interacting with each other, so those soft skills means also a big area to, uh, to focus on. It's a bit of a bad reputation, soft skills, uh, in terms of people, you know, operational level businesses and organizations say, oh, well, it can't be that difficult. You're a human, talk to another human. But it's a skill like any other that that does need to be to be practiced and cultivated. And it is the gap between i think the two things that you've spoken a lot about there is around data and customer that that people skill empathy being able to draw connections and help people communicate messages 
it's the gap between the data and the people, whether that might be people outcomes or people performance. Data is a huge part of, of what we do. So I, I, I right. agree. You know, it's being able to interact with the data is probably more than just being able to pull a graph out of an Excel like they teach us all or taught us exactly. all not to show our age. But uh, it's it taught us all in school. It's sentiment analysis. It's algorithms. It's pulling out trend data. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think that increasingly is going to be a skill that is everyone's business, especially L&D, how we mm. interact and support with data, but potentially for everyone as well. Exactly. Yeah. And I think what is interesting to share here as well is that data is also a fantastic foundation for upskilling and reskilling. And I think what what the options that organizations have at the moment is to start to map the skills and to see what skills do I as a coworker looking at the individual? What skill do I as a coworker um, uh, develop? Like over the past, uh, you know, couple of, of, of years, like since I started working, that are still super relevant. What is the level of each skill? And connect that to like the jobs of the future. So, what are the skills that I still need to develop to get my dream job, for example? Mm -hmm. And so you can really work towards the job that uh, that you want. And then, as a, as an organization, be transparent about the jobs that are in need in your organization. So that you use the data, and in this case, then the skills is the data that you use to bridge the gap between uh, people, their skills, and the, the roles of the future that are needed to be successful as an organization. So also within our field, data is a fantastic force to uh, yeah, to move and to, to develop as an organization. Some people might say it's 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 a lot of work to start mapping. You know what mm -hmm. what kind of skills do I possess and and um, so that, that, but it's not for nothing. You know, it will both benefit the organization as well as the individual to have clarity about where I stand in my uh, in my career, where I would like to to have, whether it's within the same organization, whether it's outside the organization. Um, but it, it's all about transparency and clarity and helping people to find their way uh, and contribute to the organization in in the best possible way that also develops their own employability. I think definitely just to mirror what you're saying, I think the question for organizations is less, can we afford to to get this data around what reskilling looks like? Whereas the question actually is probably, can we afford not to? Mm, exactly. Exactly. Uh, we have to we have to uh, we have to go there. Mm. How does one go about not necessarily collecting that data, but do you do you have any kind of insights in into how they do you generate that data? Because what you're talking about there is a, a real kind of gap between organizational uh, prediction, vision, where we're going, and also that individual journey of you use the term getting to my dream job. So as an organization, how do you enable that, facilitate that, and importantly, record that data? How do you measure that is it an organizational responsibility or is that an individual responsibility? Mm, fantastic question. And this is this is also where the challenge comes in, I think, in how we are organized as 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 often uh, as, as organization, especially the uh, human resource department. It's often we have our own specialism, like we have recruitment, we have sourcing, we have talent uh, development, uh, we have people work with learning. Um, all of these people often focus on their own specialism, but when we look at the reality. For a coworker, it doesn't matter like where it's being developed or where, where the solution comes from. In the end, it should be a nice experience for a coworker mm -hmm. to uh, you know join the company, start to develop, get a role, continue to develop in the organization, find new roles, uh, and continue to to, to contribute in, in in a great way uh, uh, for, for the organization. Um, 
which which then means is that we need to align as different departments in our organizations to make sure that that, that experience is possible. Meaning that um, at the start, you know, a job profile or like a vacancy needs to be written in a way where skills uh, are mentioned. Uh, then people need to be uh, have a great conversation, you know, a performance and development talk with their manager uh, on a regular basis about those skills and where do people want to have the, the the learning offer that we that we make available should be also based on uh, the skills. So which courses do, can I follow? Which conversations can I have with with which experts? Uh, which assignments can I take in my organization? Um, and 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 which skills will be developed by by doing that? And um, all the way to the new roles. Uh, in, in, in that, are, that are visible for, for reskilling purposes, for example. So all of these different like parts of the experience of a coworker need to be aligned. They need to talk the same language because as soon as it, there's a disconnect somewhere, you know, it, 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 it's, it's hard to use the data across the, the full experience. I draw a conclusion here that actually this directly impacts the role of the a leader uh, mm. or, or manager. That exactly. I think of every interaction I've had with a manager who's had a personal development chat with me. There's I have a famous question. She's the interviews as well. Where do you see yourself in five years? Exactly. Whereas actually we should, if we're talking about skills for the future, upskilling, reskilling, the skills you need for the future, is that maybe the question is not what role do you see yourselves in? Is that traditional trajectory of a, a vertical climb? It's okay. Imagine yourself five years in the future. What skills have you learned? Kind of work backwards. So you know, yes, I've become better with data. I've learned new technology. Uh, I've developed my people skills to be able to work intergenerationally uh, as well, which you know is called out as potentially a, a, a trend of the future. So mm. I, do you think there is a responsibility for a shift in how uh, leadership is is done, especially in the, the kind of PDR process or one-to-ones or reviews would you say that there's a shift in that area? Do you think it's manager's responsibility or just organizations? Uh, that's a fantastic point because um, what, what you see, of course, is if co-workers go through a, a, like a, a development uh, boost, like whether it's like a formal initiative, whether it's a great uh, assignment that they did where they learned a lot from, at a certain point, you know, they, of course, belong to a team. And, and that's also where the team element and the manager responsibility comes in. Mm-hmm. When new things are learned, there needs to be space for the, for the co-worker to apply that and, to, and to, to, to do things in a different way and thereby, you know, for example, contribute to a better customer experience in our, in our case. But what you see often is that people go through like an initiative, a learning initiative. They sit in a training room or they complete like an e-learning module. They get back to, uh, get back to the, uh, the reality and they maybe share in the team, you know, this is what I did and I loved it. But there's no space to change the ways of working. There's no space to uh, include like the new uh, learned skill set into into reality, and that's where um, where the role of the manager comes in. They should be aware that it's it's not like it was like you said, you know, with your grandparents, like that that you manage in, in a certain way. That the work that your team is doing is the same for 10, 20 years. Actually, the work is constantly changing, mm-hmm. and it's not a organizational or like an individual in both is, but it is definitely also a responsibility of a manager to see what are the skills that I have in my team, how is my team developing, and are we still able to respond to the uh, current needs of the business? And if that is not the case, as a manager, you should you should find that. You should spot those mm. skills that, that are lacking. And I think many managers who probably listen to this call, I think data, for example, is is, is, is a great skill, or at least the, the, 
um, like working with data and using data to, to improve the, the the work that is going on in your team uh, is a fantastic skill and topic that you can can spend some time on in your team. And it doesn't have to be difficult, you know. It, it can be mm. hosting a team meeting to to explain, you know, why this is important for for the team. Why shall we work more with uh, with data to to make to make the right decisions? Um, you go through like a LinkedIn learning course, for example, or another platform uh, that, that has some great courses on on data. You reflect together after that course, and come together, say like, what is, what are the things that we can take uh, with us? What are the mm. things that we will apply in our day to day job? What models will we use? How we will communicate with each other? Many different examples, basically, on, on how to develop skills in a team as the responsibility of the manager. And as we 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 look beyond that, I see the role of kind of learning in there. You talked about things like LinkedIn learning. You, you talked about things like you do a piece of digital learning, even turning up to a, a classroom or when we can start doing that again. It's You can get a skill shot. You can get a, a knowledge shot in there. But it just kind of furthering on to what you say, the role of the leader, I think, is really important in upskilling, reskilling. Because as you, you've heard me say this before, you need to turn that knowledge into wisdom to translate it into skills and that therefore that link to behavior and then such performance, a certificate and that instant gratification of going, I've got this here is probably not enough. And there's still, I think there is a, a room for qualifications in this conversation. Absolutely there is, but skills in practice is is really, really important. And the leader is, is critical in that. Exactly. Exactly, and that's that's also that's why I see also a shift in I think in in in, uh, in the way how how work is defined. Like uh, we of course have like the full time, we have the part time, but that's that's most most of it, you know. What, what if we would go for like uh, more freelance assignments within the organization where you can join a specific part of the organization where they have a need for a set of skills? Uh, you develop those skills, but you need an opportunity to put it into practice. You know, we can we can match uh, the the different assignments going on in organizations with the skills that people want to develop so that they get the opportunity to uh, to to apply it as well. Uh, Here's an, and, an interesting and not limit thing. yourself to your role that you have currently only. That's exactly right. And when I was researching ahead of, of this conversation today, when I was talking and to people and looking about what are the, the skills for the roles of the future, very seldom rarely was anything discussed that was subject matter expertise. It was, it was very, you need to be a, a deep expert. I mean, there are some examples, artificial intelligence, machine learning, they require a certain level of, of subject matter expertise. But the upskilling, reskilling quite often was talking around complex problem solving, uh, communication of, of technical detail, uh, working collaboratively, innovative thinking, looking around at the world. And I think this is indicative of, of actually when we're thinking about upskilling and reskilling is... The future is that the knowledge is there. I can go on and I can Google pretty much any sub subject in the world. I could look mm. at how to do open heart surgery. I couldn't do it because I don't have the skills and the practice, but I could find out all the information about how it's done or a certain type of mm. suturing or where to make the right cuts and incisions, not to go too morbid with this. But that idea then that what you spoke about there around getting seconded positions or taking freelance assignments internally is getting that experience, but bringing along and developing those sort of skills. I could work in, I'm an L&D person. I've always worked in L&D, but I can bring my complex problem solving and my communication skills 
into data analytics. I could do customer experience. I could could apply those skills pretty much broadly in anywhere in most kind of customer-centric organizations. Um, so I do think there's definitely a, that, that point of if you upskill and reskill people, it provides opportunities. And with those opportunities, Jasper, you know, what do you think would it mean to an organization if you put your crystal ball in front of you or your predicting cap is what do you think it would look like for an organization if they got it right? If they, you nail reskilling and upskilling as well, like evolving that idea that we do in L&D, what's that going to do for an organization in the future? Um, I think the, the crystal ball is a, is a nice uh, metaphor there because for me, it is it is all about looking into the crystal ball, mm. predicting what will what what the future will look like and anticipating on that using data mm. to make sure that your decisions are right, to make sure that the co-workers, that there's a lot of transparency in, 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 in the work that needs to be done in the organization, that there's a lot of trust as well between uh, the organization and the co-workers where people can decide how they want to contribute uh, and, and in which part of the organization they want to contribute in a way that is healthy for, 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 for the business. Of course, some, some structure is still, uh, in my eyes, still, still needed. And uh, you need to have like a, a good, uh, how to say that, like foundation or like a safe haven where, where, you, where you can uh, start to work from. But, uh, but the flexibility and, and, the, and the trust uh, from, the, from the employer to the employee is, I think, a very important, uh, important part. And um, it, by, by offering like great experiences uh, to develop specific skills, including the opportunities to apply those skills in different parts of the organization and thereby contribute to, to, to the business, I think that that would be fantastic. Um, and, in, and that will result to more happy co-workers uh, who just enjoy being part of the organization that have a connection that feel trusted, feel empowered, um, and, and in the end, you know, have a big smile on their face. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this work. You know, in the end, mm. we help people to make the best out of, out of the day. Uh, to, to feel recognized, to feel that they contribute to something important. And, uh, yeah, that's what I like about this. And I think if you do that, the organization, there's some kind of intrinsic benefits to doing that, that are loyalty, uh, staff retention in a time where people have very little kind of employer loyalty. Like some people do and they like to work somewhere in time, but I couldn't imagine working in, it's probably why I do consultancy, but working in one place for five years at a time doesn't appeal to me. I think we crave a bit of variety, which supports that upskill, reskill. So I think exactly. there are benefits to a business, like in terms of you know retention, performance. Like the, there's there's very little downside to creating these people apart from the the necessary investment and work that needs to be done now to prep for the future. But let's think about that future. What does it look like for you if we don't do that? If organisations don't do this, what is going to be the impact? Great question, uh, Ben. Yeah. I, I think one of the, the biggest downsides is, is, is of course, that um, it will be hard to find the right talent uh, mm. because competitors are searching for the same type of people. Mm. And if, if you if you don't continue to continue to, to, to offer development opportunities for, for people, uh, people will leave and you have even more gaps to fill. Um, we will mm. find it important, you know, nowadays, and, and we explain in this call, you know, why it is important to continue to develop yourself. It's it, it's a if, if you don't offer people the opportunity to develop, it's actually a pretty pretty um, uh, you know bad for their, their their own career opportunities and their employability as well. 
So, uh, so that that's one of the, the major risks um, that I see. Um, also, from a business point of view, of course, not developing people makes sure you you you, you get stuck, you know, and mm-hmm. you you stick to the, to the level of the experience in, in our case, you know, the experience that you offer to 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 customers, um, like you've done for for many years uh, already. Uh, and the fact is, you know, that, that the, the expectations they they rise quickly. So uh, we need to to adapt and. Um, yeah, and so the new needs. And I think late, a, co- a consequence, you know, something you brought up there, you know, at the minute, a lot of organizations are facing what the so called great resignation of, of people who, you know, maybe have stayed put for a couple of years, but of uncertainty. And whilst there's still uncertainty, uh, people are leaving and moving, taking their skills kind of elsewhere. There is that quote, that kind of Richard Branson often attributed quote was if you, uh, you train people well enough so that they can leave. Uh, and that's actually seems quite positive because you're you're building capability in your organization you're building loyalty you're helping people live many different lives within an organization retaining that talent the mm. the the economy of talent that that we have out there and people moving you you highlight that you know the skills people need are very similar then no one's talking about getting in certain subject matter expertise like hiring you know there's still a bit of a freelance consultant culture that you parachute in the knowledge when you need it uh, if you can't find it elsewhere so there, yeah i agree i think there is a risk to businesses if they don't upskill and reskill there's a risk that people can get those skills elsewhere or if they study in their own time as soon as they're ready they'll they'll jump um we've always exactly. faced that but we can own it as a, a learning department as well uh, and, and that's i think where culture and, uh, and values come in as well um, yes to, to, to develop that strong culture, to make sure that you are aligned with the values so that you stay connected uh, to the organization as well. And that together with development opportunities, I think is a, is a good recipe for success. Uh, especially nowadays, of course, also when the people, uh, yeah, and I think COVID only, uh, only boosted that, mm. uh, you know, hiring people from, from, from abroad, uh, from, the, from across the world, you know, to contribute to the organization. Um, teams calls, uh, Zoom calls, you know, it, it makes it all so much easier for us to, to work together. Every one of us is, is set up, at least for the for the desk uh, co-workers. You know, they are set up to to collaborate in these type of ways, and and that also means that the talent pool becomes uh, much bigger for organizations to to hunt for. So it's not only yes. the competitors around the corner who will uh, try to find the the, the, the talents in, in your area. It's also the competitors from across the globe who, who spot talent in in your area and uh, or or from the other part of the globe, basically, because it's it's uh, it's the same pool. Uh, and and more and more companies have gotten onto this fact that you know, you don't have to get the local twenty five mile city radius exactly. anymore. You, you you exactly as you can say you can pick from the world, and that's invited an opportunity to people to get on this upskill reskill train. Who mm. you know never thought of boarding and becoming a passenger because of their personal circumstances. You know they have a an opportunity to bring a, a real kind of shot of talent, skills learnt from. Kind of personal life coming in, uh, it, it's a it's a great opportunity for for people to to really kind of learn and be part of it. And we talked about a lot today in terms of the um, upskill reskill ideal, the future that there are going to be new roles and there are these skills to to get there. And we talked a little bit earlier around you know starting that process of, of you know get the data, let the data lead uh, in what you you do, and the benefits come invest now. So. I think that's a really strong message. And before we wrap up, I just want to kind of maybe set you a challenge a little bit around what maybe one, two, three practical steps 
can an organization put in place now to support an upskill reskill future what can organizations do now what what top tips do you have jasper hmm. um good question uh, first of all i think i think that what i always like is the, the practice what you preach um, mm. So start to upskill yourself in topics that you find important. Communicate that. Involve your team. Um, it's, it's it's pretty simple. You know, it can start with a, with a quick uh, YouTube video or a nice article that you read, um, and and think about what how that would impact your your role and what changes that uh, that would have in your ways of working or in, in uh, the way how you do your work. Uh, so that that will be tip number one. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a second tip is to start to bridge the gap between learning and uh, uh, and, and new positions in in your organization. To make sure that learning is not a mean that you, that you do just uh, for fun or for your development, but that it actually helps coworkers to to move into a new position, and that the clarity between the two uh, is is uh, is there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so those were like two tips. Let me think of a third one. Is there an organizational um, one that you can think of, like? Yeah, then, then, then the third one would be connected to the to the different departments and make mm. sure that you talk the same language and that the output is actually contributing to one consistent co-worker experience that, that is on, on the right level. Uh, so so not only focus on your specialism and create create great deliverables, but also make sure that you talk to the, the to the people that contribute to maybe an earlier or later stage for the co-worker experience in, in their journey uh, mm. and make sure that uh, yeah, the work that you do Built on each other and, and strengthens each other. I think you, you, that's a, a really interesting one. That a lot of larger, especially large organisations, are quite siloed or put into buckets. You might have, for example, say contact centre side of the business. You might have fulfilment. Uh, you could have a manufacturing side, and and actually the journeys and the HR setups and the learning paths might be very very different. But if you have a consistent culture of going and an open business culture that goes, hey, this is the future. You know, there's going to be new roles emerging. What you are doing today, you're not going to be doing in 15 years' time. What can we do as an organization? What can I do as a department lead? What can I do as a leader to help map out that path? Not an aspiration of what job do you want in five years, but what skills can you learn from us or externally that we can support with? And that doesn't have to be cost or qualifications. That can be the time to learn, shared experience. Uh, Do you know what? There is connecting people to different areas of, of expertise it's a very kind of organic way of kind of growing mm-hmm. the reskilling upskilling exactly uh, and, and we can pull this even further if you would find like like-minded organizations mm. that you can partner with imagine if, if if you work in one organization then i work in another we both would like to to, to upskill ourselves on a certain area and, and we find it a great opportunity to upskill ourselves like outside our own organization just to learn more about a specific topic we can exchange, you know. Let's spend a couple mm-hmm. of months in a different organization, see what the culture there is, see what what how departments interact with each other. What it's a fantastic uh, new environment uh, to, to 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 learn. Uh, but you both should believe, you know, in in the fact that that, that these upskilling opportunities will, in the end, contribute to uh, to a better um, yeah coworkers impacting the the organization, thereby um, yeah uh, get closer to, to to successful in our case um, customer mm-hmm. experience. Well, as we we close off the session and round up, something I'd like to know is is as somebody who's a, a kind of a passionate leader in this and someone who is driving an agenda for upskill and reskill globally, is who inspires you in this world of, of reskilling and upskilling? Is there any 
great examples or knowledge that you would suggest anybody who's still interested at today uh, kind of leaps on and goes and 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 learns more from? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot of material that we can find out there. Uh, mm-hmm. So what I often do is I read various articles, listen to various podcasts, and then try to create my own vision on, on this topic. And actually realizing that the learning part of upskilling and reskilling is is actually similar to, and it has the same principles as as what we've done for many many years. Like mm-hmm. uh, the, the opportunities to apply what you've learned to make it stick, and thereby perform instead of just understand and, and know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and all of these things, you know, they they are still out there. But it's the process related to upskilling and reskilling that is the biggest difference, and the responsibility from the organization and the individual to uh, to create the transparency between that gap. Um, so, so creating your own vision, I would say, is very important. I think mm-hmm. um, Nick Dalton is, is an interesting person to uh, to reach to reach out, or maybe uh, there's a couple of podcasts from him uh, from Unilever talking about uh, future work as well, which uh, which I find very inspiring. And uh, and talk with with peers, you know, listen to these type of podcasts, talk with peers or with with people in your organization. And that's always uh, very insightful for for me as well. So, um, so that's the suggestion from my side. Brilliant. Well, I thank you very much. I would say that that is a successful noodle. Uh, Today, I'm thoroughly thrilled that you managed to join us and good luck with your own upskill and reskill in the future. Who knows what your job role might be in the next 10, 15 years. Or if we're still there, we might be integrated by the robots at that point. Thank you very much for joining us and I hope to see you again soon. Thanks, Ben, appreciate it. You've been listening to the Learning Noodle podcast by Davies Learning Experiences. If you'd like us to help power your performance through people development and want to get in touch, search Davies Learning Experiences or find us on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.